Hey guys, welcome to the New Show Podcast. Shrek here, the host of the sucker, interviewing spearfishing experts, authorities, and characters from around the world. Today it's Ollie Craig. He has uh, he's got an awesome YouTube channel, very distinct Kiwi flavor, hunting, terrestrial land-based hunting, as well as a lot of below the surface stuff. He is uh, He's an outdoorsman for sure, and uh, a really good, lively chat today. Uh, I hope I didn't stir him up too much with some of my controversial questions. Uh, really like Ollie, and I, I hope to chat with him more in the future. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. Before we get started, I have got three quick calls to action. Go to spearfishingcourses.com.au if you're interested in doing a spearing course in the southeast Queensland corner at this stage. Uh, I have got six courses up starting from September and going all the way through into February 2024. Um, that's the first uh, <clears throat> sorry, that's the first lot of courses I've got up on this on this website. It's fresh build for spearfishingcourses.com.au. The other call to action, the second call to action I have is the spearfishing retreat with Sundays. Um, <clears throat> so this is um, spearing and sailing off the Whit Sundays in the Outer Reef. Uh, I organised it with Eckhart Beckenstein from Salt Sessions. Check that out. It's also up on spearfishingcourses.com.au or you can go to Salt Sessions website. At this stage, it's at last year's prices. Um, this course leaves August the 6th. So not a lot of notice for this one, but get on and get amongst it if you can. There's still a few spots left. So go to um, spearfishingcourses.com.au or Salt Sessions uh, and check that out. <clears throat> Final, finally, massive shout out to the patrons. I've had a couple of new ones come on board. Um, I view patrons as investors in what we're trying to do here at the Noob Spiro, which is make make a better informed spearfishing planet safer. Um, front of mind, just embracing um, the selective and sustainable aspect of this lifestyle from um, from ocean to the plate. And so massive thanks to all the patrons who put fuel in the Noobsbury Outboard every episode. Um, without further ado, let's get into it. Ollie Craig, here we go. Adreno stocks equipment for Noobers. The gear you need for all things freediving and spearfishing. The Adreno spearfishing team froth on helping customers learn about the latest in spearfishing equipment, local diving, upcoming trips and events for Spiros of all levels of experience. There's no ego in there. You're going to meet cool people that love the spearing lifestyle as much as you do. Visit them in store in one of their huge mega stores around Australia. Chat to one of their friendly team members. Take advantage of the Noob Spiro discount code. Save $20 on every purchase over $200 in store, online, easy savings. Pump in the code Noob Spiro if you're shopping online or in store, mention it's one of their friendly team members and save 20 bucks over 200. That's right, use the code Noob Spiro in store. Shop with Adreno, our partner for more than 200 episodes. I was left with an empty cooler after missing and wounding a bunch of fish with a shoddy spear gun. A work colleague urged me to speak to Naptonics, and I'm so glad I did. Without Jerry and the Naptonics team, I would have kept missing bulk fish and coming home to my wife empty handed. Now I can focus on slaying monster hogs and groper and covering the deck of my boat in blood. Never buy a shitty piece of equipment again. Shop Neptonics.com, use the code NOOB10 to save 10% and go spearing with confidence. Jerry says, if we sell it, we believe in it, we trust it and dive it. Shop Neptonics.com, free shipping for the lower 48 for orders over $199 and you can save 10% when you use the code NOOB10, N-O-O-B, one zero at neptonics.com. Hoorah! 
All right, g'day, Noob Spiro community. Today I'm joined by an avid outdoorsman, a hardcore hunter, full-on frother. He's a great Spiro. He's outspoken, absent of apathy. He's the Indiana Jones level adventurous. He makes Bear Grylls blush and Chuck Norris cry. How does that sound, Ollie? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote a bit of a spiel for you, bro. Because I'll add that to my YouTube description. Yeah, no. yeah, do it, do it. It's um, Ollie Craig, guys. For you, for people that don't know Ollie, like um, he's got a fantastic YouTube channel. I don't know why it's taken me this long to get him on the podcast. Um, he's been requested at least. I'm not joking, a half dozen times, and every time I just haven't been able to get to it. And so, Ollie, mate. Fantastic to have you on the show, finally. You've been making the uh, Noob Spiro top 20 YouTube channels, um, and you did it did it with ease, bro. You, you, you make good stuff. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. All good. We're here now, so, yes, get into it, man. You've got a colourful background, are you? Were you a professional rugby player? <laughs> I fucking wish. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. By the way, sorry, guys, if I, uh, you know, throw the F-bomb around a bit. I, um, it's kind of in my vocab, so apologise in advance, but I'll, I'll try Try not to. Ollie um, Craig. <laughs> no, nah, I did play a bit of footy. Played a, a bit of rep rugby when I was younger, but um, never really um, – I didn't grow, you know, until a bit later than most. And uh, growing up in South Auckland, New Zealand, you're uh, against all the big big island boys and they're, you know, fully grown at three years old. So you're um, – yeah, but hard to get ahead. I can see you yeah. niggling around the back of a ruck, though. You've got that sort of go about you. Well, that was me, yeah, number seven, but um, yeah, just didn't grow, so I got ousted to the backs, but um, yeah, back in the rugby days. I played yeah. seven too, flanker, the dirty old Lucy's. Um, I've got a cousin still playing for the Crusaders, actually, Cullen Grace, he's playing number eight for the Crusaders. Yeah, right. So, um, mate, New Zealand's a fantastic place to grow up. I moved to Australia in my early 20s, but, you know, I very much, like, I watch your YouTube channel, it fills me with nostalgia, and it makes me wish that I had been able to get hold of the lifestyle that you lead earlier on in life. Um, talk to me about how it all started for you, like, because you're a mad keen bushman, like hunter, and and then you, you, you've you got the ocean thing going as well. Um, who got you into it? What, what was your segue into it? Well, pretty much both the hunting and fishing was fairly later in life. I, used to, I grew up just, um, you know, smashing birds with the slug gun. I was, you know, little air rifle. That was, you know, that was always born and bred into me from my, my dad and the odd bit of fishing and stuff. But I, I didn't even hear about spear fishing until, well, when did I join the yachts? We'll get into probably 23, 24. Never even heard of it. Um, the first the first time I actually, you know, shot a fish was with um, with my mates. I booked a batch in uh, Cook's Beach, Fidianga, around that area um, back in the day for my 21st and, uh, yeah, we went out with a couple of Hawaiian slings and instinctly, you know, just smashed up a whole lot of kinna, kinna sea urchin for the overseas guys and um, and just shot anything that moved onto it. Um, <laughs> Red monkey? Massive bomb. Red monkey? <laughs> <laughs> we did, but <laughs> hey, we, did. <laughs> we actually did eat it. We actually, yeah, yeah tin fall back in the day on the barbie and it was actually fine, you yeah, know, it was good oh, eating. they're um, actually really good eating. They're just... Yeah, I know they are, yeah. yeah. Um, just so yeah. slow growing and... Like there's so much stigma about shooting them, but like you, you know, like your your story is an honest one, and I think like a lot of spearers when they start, a lot of people that have not had a background line fishing or anything like that, they have absolutely no idea how to ID species, and no. 
And spear and ID, unfortunately, is not a great way to do it. As you know, if you've been around spearing for a while and you see those classic social media ones go up, like, oh, what, what's this fish? Can someone ID this for me? We all look oh. at it and kind of cringe. But if we're honest about it, when we all started, it's often yeah. a, a pretty common story. Oh, and we just didn't have social media back in the day. We probably would have put the same posts up. Yeah, people are quick to judge. But yeah, did a big red mokey bomb up like a quite few people have. And, um, <laughs> But that was it, and then it wasn't until that was yeah, yeah, about three, four years later. Yeah, joined the um, decided to get into super yachting, so got a gig on an explore yacht, and um, was in Florida at the time, and flew me out to Puerto Rico, and just landed on a on a super yacht, which the owners were just mad, mad spear fishermen, like chasing records, and just that was the purpose, or for a lot of them of the trips, they'd try and incorporate a bit of family time. But yeah, we're chasing fish all over the bloody world, so it was um. Straight into the deep end, yeah. Wow. Predominantly blue water spearing, so we just, yeah, first day on the job, uh, had uh, the, we had some time trials and you had to lie, um, what was the gun? A big rife blue water thing, can't remember the name of it, the island, three bands or four bands, big big wooden gun, and we had time trials. It was a bit dodgy. We were a bunch of Kiwis on the yacht and dry loading and get on the, you know, on the side of the ship and, Time trials to load it fully, and yeah, it was it was intense, and then um, just straight into it, man, chasing doggies, marlin, just all the big blue water tuna, just everything. It was just like yeah, like no no reef stuff, just straight in as a kind of like a a deckhand for yeah spearing. It was it was pretty interesting. It seems, and it sounds, and I could be wrong here, so please correct me if I am wrong. Um, completely opposite to the sort of the flavor and style of your YouTube channel. Like your YouTube channel is now very much like a, almost like a living off the land. Like, you, I mean, your brand's called Primal Pursuit and it's very much yeah. like a wholesome, like Kiwi, just, you know, like let's go where opportunity sort of takes us. Like if the weather's favorable for hunting and there's, and the raw's on or something, we're going to go do that. If there's, yeah. if there's kingies on at the moment and there's like, you know, I've got the right crew, I'm going to go and do that. Whereas a lot of that, blue water hunting where you're chasing records and stuff seems a little bit different. Like it's almost like you have a completely different headspace and mindset around what you're doing. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, definitely. But I guess that's due to just limitations of living in New Zealand and you just kind of play your cards what you get. But yeah, you do go through the seasons here and most people just hunt right through winter, won't even chuck their wetsuit on and then they um, dive in summer. Um, but I think, yeah, try and do a bit of both. You can right through. So it's, um, but if it was, you know, easier access and we had some blue water hunting close by, I'd be doing definitely a bit of that. So You've done a bit yeah. too, though, in, in New Zealand as well. You've done um, – have you done like Wanganellas or Three Kings or the White Island or – Mate, I, I'm supposedly, you know, this guy on YouTube, NZ Spiro dude, and I've, I haven't been to any of these these wicked spots. Haven't oh, been wow. to Three Kings. Haven't been to White Island. Been to the Mokahinaos once or twice. Like, I haven't been to all the all the hot spots, as we would say, but – um. We'll get there now. I've done a bit of blue water off the um, the west coast of Auckland, chasing the marlin. Got lucky on one of those, but other than that, um, yeah, just <laughs> pretty inshore, eh? Yeah. How old are you? Thirty two. Thirty two. And so what? We, so you started like you said, like twenty two, twenty three. So about ten years you've been at it. Now. About twenty twenty four, I think. Twenty four. Okay. Yeah, and um, this thought this is bloody cool watching all these. These guys just just annihilating fish. Not there was a yeah a bit of that, but um just saw some yeah just it was like, what is the sport? I can't believe I've never heard of it. And it was still relatively smaller in New Zealand, even 
you know, 10 years ago, and it's just gone mental um, worldwide, I guess. Luke Potts sort of grew up to the north of you a wee bit. Um, did you start watching his videos when you were starting? Because, like, his YouTube sort of faded out, I think, with his health issues and stuff. But, like, he was, yep. a, he was massive on the show, and I really enjoyed yarning with him back in the day and watching his videos. Was that uh, an influential channel for you when you were starting? Yeah, totally, man. Wicked content. Yeah, you got to give it to him, mate. And good diver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, who wasn't watching his yeah. Have you watched his yeah. comedy, his new comedy? Yeah, I saw one of them. <laughs> having a go at me, you know? <laughs> I remember seeing a picture of you, a video, bit of a video. You featured in a cameo in there with a, with a good bit of a rat. And I, yeah, I made my 10, 15 seconds of fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that yeah. and I was laughing. Okay. I didn't know if you guys had a friendship or any sort of relationship before. I've never met him personally, no. But um, yeah, no, videos, yeah, for sure. You featured him. Yeah. <laughs> any, <laughs> any ill feeling about that, bro? Or did, did you just have a chuckle? Oh, I just have a chuckle, yeah. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, I won't go into that too much. But um, yeah, you're right. I had. Um, I had, strong, I had strong ideas about COVID too. Largely, I steer clear of any of the political circus on the show and discussions about it, but I have very strong views as well. I actually mm. got suspended and lost my job um, due to some of the stuff. So, like, I, I, I hear, I don't want to talk about it on a spearfishing podcast. I love what yep. we do, you know, I don't need to, we don't need yeah. to go, but I thought I'd just bring it up because it was a sort of a point of curiosity for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a pretty hard case. So I thought that had blown over because I was, yeah, you know, obviously anyone who'd followed me for a while on Instagram and stuff would have seen the video I put up. But um, I thought, oh, fuck, there's enough of this on the internet. I'll just, you know, stick to what I'm doing and sharing spearfishing videos. And yeah, I think it was a good call. Yeah, there's enough. There's enough people speaking up online and debates. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, but there's something to be said about being bold, and I respect it because so many of us self censor in order to make sure we don't upset people about. You know, stuff that's really not 100% on brand. You know, like if you've got a lifestyle spearfishing brand and you're sharing a political belief about whatever whatever the flavor of the day is, we don't need to talk about that. But like yeah. um, it's hard to sometimes be yourself. And a lot of us Absolutely. have got so used to trying to please everyone that it's hard to be yourself and say what you actually believe about stuff. So good on you for doing yeah. it and I admire it. So hats yeah, off cheers, to you. Man. Yeah, yeah, we'll leave that here. <laughs> yeah, all good. Back, back to the um, spearing, and, and 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 even if we can go back a bit further to the hunting. So you, you're in South Auckland, like so. It's a urban area, heavily populated. Yep. Hunting's not ac- accessible to everyone in a in a big city. Talk to me about um, how that sort of happened. Um, well, it's not like as South Auckland would say, you know, um, for people in New Zealand, kind of like Papakura or Minurua. Manukau, it's further out in the countryside. So um, I am pretty much surrounded, yeah, by farmlands and stuff and and where I live now. So, um, but having said that, yeah, anywhere in Auckland, you are, if you're in the know, within an hour from some some good good hunting for meat and and all that stuff, it is actually quite close. If you know the right people, um, not so much dock land. Um, So, yeah, just, I just grew up, yeah, out in the, uh, in the farm side and, had access to, yeah, it's like stuff from a young age, but I never really got into serious hunting like deer and stuff until probably twenties, yeah, in my twenties. But um, then found it and loved it, and only really hunted meat. Never got into trophy hunting until probably three, four years ago. 
did my first proper like raw raw trip down to Fjordland and um yeah, whole nother buzz. But yeah, pretty much just yeah, hunted for meat for years, yeah. A lot of people live for these trips, like um that Fjordland one in, in particular, a lot of guys try and combine it with a bit of diving as well, as there's some fantastic opportunities down there, hunting and below the water, above and below, yeah. really. So um but I, yeah, I, I kind of never really understood it. But then it just it was just a complete crossover from spearing. So I just clicked straight away. So I'm I'm right into it now, just just loving it. Just got back from a tar hunt down south. I saw, and I saw yeah. I was gonna that's ask just you that. that's just magic, man. Yeah. You shot a big cool. bull, didn't you? I'm looking oh, at your Instagram. If people want to follow, it's Ollie underscore Craig. Um, photo here says Southern Alps, New Zealand. Unreal few days away chasing Himalayan bulltar, which uh, are a, a pest species, but introduced, weren't they? Um, yeah, it's a big, big debate on going on about the tar. I haven't got too much into it, but yeah, there's yeah they do a fair bit of damage, but yeah, I, I really don't know too much about it to, to comment. Yeah, but um, yeah, they're introduced, and I think. We're definitely one of the main countries outside of the, you know, Nepal and stuff where you can hunt them. There might be a few more countries introduced now, but predominantly, yeah, people all around the world come to New Zealand to hunt them. It's, it's, a, it's a big thing. Talk yeah. to me about uh, challenging and hunting them. I, I understand they're sort of up in that alpine country, so it's pretty like scrubby stuff. And uh... hey, it, is, it is hard. So I jacked up with this guy, and um, I'm going to do a bit of a swap for him. He's going to come up. And um, do some kingy hunting and stuff, bit of a spearfishing trade for hunting. And um, shit, man, I've done some hard things in my life, man. And it, you know, I've done some bloody hard things, but this day, it was just the hardest thing physically and mentally I've done in my life. Like it's just it's steep country, just yeah, it's mental. We climbed up to about two thousand meters elevation, and by the end of that day, coming down, I was absolutely broken. Um, luckily, you know, I had a tar for the efforts, but it was just, um, man, it's, it's yeah, you see why a lot of people chopper in. Um, but, um, yeah, we did it the, the real hard way. It was awesome, though, yeah. There's climbing mountains, like, where you've got established tracks, too, and all the rest of it, and then there's hunting in that country. It's a completely different thing. Like, oh, um, mate, it's just mental and trying to keep up with the guy who's he's been up there since, you know, five years old, getting carried up in backpacks. He was literally a... Yeah, a mountain goat himself, and you know you don't want to be too soft and you know complain or anything. So you just put up with it. Man, I was yeah, it's broken. Yeah, yeah. Does spearfishing fitness carry over onto land hunting at all? Do you think there's any sort of this guys talk about CO two tolerance and you know um, VO three max and somehow this some of this how just general fitness relates the difference? What have you kind of noticed? What what correlates well and what translates? In terms of fitness, no, nah, man. Well, in my personal, it was just, it was just, I thought it would have. I thought it, I'm a pretty fit dude in general um, and diving, reasonably diving fit, I think. Man, it was just, it was intense. Like, I just, I was gone, man. Like, hunting, yeah, absolutely. All the all the hunting aspects of it and, you know, wind and da-da-da-da-da, elements and, yeah, that, that, that definitely crosses over. But, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's just me, but I found the fitness was just, yeah, not nothing nothing to cross over. <laughs> Do you find that as your channel gains greater popularity and visibility that you're getting more opportunities? Yeah, totally, man. And that's um that's what I think uh, that's one thing I love about it, man. Like there's definitely there's days out there and you you just go, what am I doing? 
uh, do I really want to continue this or not? You know, just this not common, but you get these days and then you just mm. go, nah, man, like the people I'm meeting and avenues it's opening up and I just love meeting new people and, you know, then you get, get to go down there or fly to another country and this and just new places like me, new places, new people, just new experiences. That's what I live for. So it's definitely a major plus of the channel and, yeah, just meeting new people. But um, Are you starting to earn a decent income out of it? I'm not that – like I'm pretty hopeless at keeping up with YouTube, bro. Between four kids and a job and this, like sometimes like even the channels I love, they just kind of go missing. How, how how many subscribers have you got now, and and um, is it making? In, in, uh, I'm surviving off it, man. Um, living, yeah, not like a a huge amount, just somewhere reasonable. Um, forty five thousand subscribers. Oh yeah, just ticked over forty five thousand. I think. Yeah, well done, subscribers. man. So it's pretty small still, man. Um, so I look at guys that are a couple of hundred thousand subscribers and stuff, and you go, they'll be doing pretty well, man. Yeah, they'll be pretty comfortable. So. There's um there's hope. <laughs> you you do a lot of longer form videos. I'm looking at your videos. You you know you're 30 minute plus. Like a lot of these are up around that 50 minute mark. Like you, that's a full on TV show, really. Yeah, um, definitely. It's probably not the best for algorithms and all that stuff on YouTube. But then you get comments from guys. They love it. They love the long form probably more than you get comments saying we want shorter um shorter form. So. I just edit videos that how they come out is how they come out. I don't yeah, try and yeah. cut them down and it's just, yeah, it just comes out whatever it comes out like. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. One of your videos has had a million views, spearfishing and freediving the Alderman Islands. Like um, there's a couple up here over 400,000 views. It seems like you've had a couple of like good hot viral vids that have got some real good traction. Don't ask me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it crazy eh, how, how just yeah yeah you think you get it and then it just yeah no so you're a bit more of an artist rather than a scientist of your youtube channel you just kind of just do do you and then you just sort probably of man um yeah i guess so and it's probably true actually all my family are kind of artists for livings musicians and all this type of stuff and yeah not the uh yeah, the scientific method, but yeah, it wouldn't help. Uh, it would help, but uh, yeah, I, yeah. We might geek out a bit more on your YouTube channel as we go, but so, all right, so you, you you sort of got thrown in the deep end. You're doing these super sailing things. What what did you call it again? Big um, Super yachting, so luxury yachting. Yep. It was a big explorer, yeah, 50-meter yacht, helicopter, bloody four other tenders on it, just, yeah, adventure. And I'd imagine – a lot of the guys you're going out with are pretty competent. Yeah, so quite a few. A couple of the guys who have actually um, you've had on the podcast, um, I don't think they'd be worried about being mentioned, but um, Francisco Lafredi. Yeah, yeah. He was one of the earlier guys I'd seen come on board, and um, I was just amazed. These, I was dear can would would take them out to these just totally remote spots, middle of nowhere. They're down they go, disappear for a couple of minutes, and you're freaking out because you're, you're semi, you know, kind of, you know, you need to bring them back. Yeah. And, uh, but they pop up, of course, they just got these ridiculous breath holds. But I, I remember one day, a couple of days actually, with Francisco on board and had all the fish just lined up on the deck. And they're just every single fish, I still remember it vividly, had this spear hole just clinically like 
you can measure it three centimetres behind the eyeball, just into the brain. And every fish has had this one dot, dot, dot. And it was just, we were just fascinated that, you know, he was just so accurate. Yeah. And so he's spoken you, about it. Yeah. So when you listened to his interview, you were like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. But how's, um, how's your accuracy yeah. these days? <laughs> you know, you have your good and bad days. As we <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I have crap weeks. I'm going to be honest with you. Some oh, days okay. it's just yeah. like you can't hit a barn door. But I mean, these days, like the longer you do it, you kind of you, you realize what what recipe you like in a spear gun and a setup, and you kind of stick to that. And then yeah, it removes so much doubt, you know, because you start doubting yourself, like. Mm. You doubt your gun. You don't. But I just like trying out new things, including new spear guns and setups. So yes, yeah, it's, it's not ideal. You're right. You need to hone in on one one product. But uh, just yeah, if you landed it, that's all that matters. Eh? So you're out on the super yacht. You've got guys like Francisco Lafredi. They've got pinpoint accuracy and massive breath holds, shooting awesome fish. Did that make you feel like an imposter when you were jumping in and having a crack, or like how did that? Sort well, we didn't really get to actually dive that much like we were just yeah getting the fish on board throwing they're just throwing fish at us and would you know <laughs> deal with them and stuff and yeah um, you know reloading guns for some guys because we had quite a few elderly guys 60s and 70s which was really cool as well like just still hard out into it you know diving deep shooting big fish it was it was cool to see so that was um that was fascinating actually yeah some, some old fellas just still going hard in the sport but yeah I don't know what you asked me. I just forgot. No, you're right. You're right. I was just like about feeling like an imposter maybe if you dive. No, not at all because we weren't even divers ourselves. But, yeah, I I kind of get what you mean. But eventually we just, yeah, thought, oh, well, time to get into it ourselves. So, yeah, we um, were in South Africa at the time, luckily, and just we didn't even really know brands or anything. A lot of the guys were using big wooden guns on the boat, rifles and stuff. Um. We just landed and went to the local spearfishing shop, you know, typed it in and happened to be um, Rob Allen Dive Factory. So we just had a bit of cash, as you you know, you do when you're working on the, on the soup yachts. You've got no living expenses. You're just, you know, just getting paid in cash. So we just went in and bought everything that we wanted. And, oh, that might need that couple of, you know, two suits, one in each colour, and just went hard. And But luckily we landed on some good gear at the time and um, still using those guns to this day. Um, South Africa's kind of like... Japan for automobiles. South Africa's like that for spearfishing gear, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Just kind of like, um, yeah, you're right. Like Toyota AK47, just, just don't, yeah, don't die. So you, stuck with it since. Yeah, you Never have stuck with it. Yeah, you love your Rob Allen gear. Yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with yeah. it too. Like it's just tough. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's great gear. Like um, he's he's onto a good thing. Tried to get him to sponsor the podcast at least fifteen times, but I just have to market it for free for him now. <laughs> yeah, I think he's one of those guys that just don't need any marketing. Eh? Nah, his product speaks for itself, to be honest. And um, it's 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 being more and more widely adopted in the US as well, which is a which is a massive opportunity for for him, I, I guess. So, okay, so you're on these super yachts, you get all the gear, and you're in South Africa. Did you start doing some diving there as well? Um, we went, um, we got the gear. I think we went out one day to try and get some yellowfin, um, if I remember correctly, with, um, what's the old name down there, Tommy Botha or something. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it's quite a classic down there, the Botha float, tuna float or something. Yeah, um, yeah. At the time, he was showing us this, because um, we had seen quite a few numerous spear guns come on board, all these spearers around the world on these trips. Um, he and he had this inverted gun that he had built himself 
And that was the first one I'd ever seen. And I didn't actually see them inverted rollers pop up to years later. You know, he seems always to be, um, I don't know if he still is right into it, but ahead of his game slightly. And, um, but yeah, we didn't didn't have any luck there on the tuna because I get some massive yellowfin down off the off, off Cape Town. We're based there for a couple of months. Then we cruised up the um, up the west coast there, all the way to Saint Helena Island, which a lot of people won't know about. It's south of Ascension Island, which a lot of people have heard about. All the big videos of the hundred kilo tuna up there, and you know MK and stuff. Um, and that was just one wild place. Yeah, Saint Helena Island, amazing. Um, at the time, the airport wasn't open, and you could get there from a a 10-day boat ride from, from Cape Town. Um, I think it was 10 days, I believe so. Five days. Quite a big trip in a, in a boat, yeah. And um, Wild yeah, we got too. stuck into it there. And fishy place, man. Like, I think the first fish, real fish I shot there was uh, an amberjack, around 16 kilo. That was huge oh, wow. for me at the time. And I was hooked, yeah, done. It's all over. Yeah, got the man. bug. But, um, yeah. Do you still get that same... Sense of excitement when you shoot a kingy because AJ's and kingy's like similar dirty fight, similar size and shape to the fish. Um, I love shooting kingy stuff. Yeah, me love too. It. Yeah, I just love that. It's like shooting a deer and just you just hear that that whack and you just yeah. know you you know you got some meat and it's just I don't know, I love it. I it doesn't get a big fish just and it's plenty of them. You know, there's there's heaps of kingies around. You know. One one big kingy too. It's just so much meat. Like it's so much food, and it's um. I love it. I love the taste of it. Like um. I think they taste really good in temperate water up here in Queensland and in, in uh, southeast Queensland in Australia. It's a, they're a little bit different, and sometimes you get the um the parasite that makes them mushy at certain times of the well, year. I don't know about that, eh? Hey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but New Zealand kingies. I, I don't know something about that cold, nutrient rich water. They just seem to be. And just delicious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No complaints here. They're mean, man. Just so versatile. Yeah. So freeze well. People people get a bit bit weird about freezing fish, and they say, you know, only eat it fresh and give it away. Yeah, give heaps away. Like most most of my fish. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with freezing a, a few fillets. What's wrong with that? No, nothing. As long as you eat them. <laughs> Sometimes I think we, you know, we're a bit sport with how much of the resource we have access to. So. A lot of sparrows get really snobby with um, what they eat and don't eat, and you know, like so. It's funny watching people as they go. It's a bit of a weird community at times. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's vibrant and uh, very diverse, but also, yeah, occasionally there's a lot of quirky people, and everyone's opinionated too, which is great because um, you don't. Yeah, have, it is great. You don't have many boring conversations. That's for sure. No, no. Kingies are like if you if you. Shop placement's pretty massive with Kingies, eh? Talk to me, like, if you have to – have you done a video on your channel explaining to people that are probably newer to the sport and chasing Kingies how to do it well? Because there's a lot that can go wrong. Not specific. I suppose I've always had bits and pieces of voiceovers and stuff in between. Um, you'd have to go back. But I've actually been getting worse lately because as you go on, you kind of think, oh, well, I've been spearing for this many years. I should be doing stone stone shots, you know? And I've just this last year, I've probably been, yes, yeah, I've probably lost the most kingies in, in my whole time diving. Just been trying to go for kill shots in the head. And, um, you know, if you miss, it's, it's a, you know, you're hanging on by a thread or you hit them low on the jaw, they rip off. But for years, I just did the classic behind the pectoral fin, high chance hitting the spine. And it's just always a safe, 
safe holding shot. Never lost, never lost a fish until literally this last year. I've been trying to do stone shots. So, but when they pull off, it is nice. <laughs> Something about that central body mass, like having a bit of room for margin for error, I think is huge. You know, like high percentage shots rather than absolute precision. But um, yeah, I hate wounding fish, and um, yeah, yeah. But I've done it lots of times, and um, yeah, we all have, unfortunately. But it's yeah, part of it as we know. But um, they just can't go wrong. Shoot behind that peck; they got a big hunk of steel in them, and. They just, they hurt. Yeah, rip them up. When someone puts a pretty shit shot on them and the kingy's got a lot of fight in them, um, have you watched that go pear-shaped a few times, with um, particularly with people that are fairly new to hunting them? Yeah, and they're generally, you know, they've just taken the shot too far away. People ugh, lots of times ask me, you know, how far does a spear gun shoot? And you, you go, mate, I'm shooting mostly around probably three metres max. Everyone thinks they're bow and arrows when you're getting into sport. As what I did, I had no clue how far they shoot and people are just, yeah, think they just just keep going for five, ten metres and that's when you often see. They're just long shots. There's no excuses. If you're around three metres, you, you can hit them right where you want it really. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah I mean, water's like, I think, three, three, 300 times denser than air. So, like, um, it... it, it um, it slows down a shaft so quickly, you know. Even a overpowered guns like they, they just um they don't travel far very fast or with a lot of power. And um like in New Zealand too, you probably you know, that one twenty gun, double rubber. Yeah, yep, the old classic, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're never gonna shoot anything probably out beyond five meters of that. Like, oh, uh, if lucky five meters, yeah. No. <laughs> it's almost at the complete end of its range, yeah, dropping so yeah, just get closer. Generally, you're going to be fine. And then if you don't have too many sharks to deal with, yeah, yeah. you'll get a nice holding shot. Talk, yeah, talk, it's not right advance. Talk to us about sharks and, 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 and trying to take fish around sharks. What are your sort of rules of thumb? And um, oh, Again, like most things, I'm probably not the guy to talk because I'm a bit of a cowboy out there with safety and stuff. But um, I'll speak my experience here. Yeah. I actually haven't had too many problems up until this summer. And... Um, just got, I've lost, I think, three this last summer gone. But again, they're generally just at the the hot spots where everyone goes. If you're, you know, diving a new piece of coast and stuff, I very rarely even see bronze whalers. They do congregate in my in my experience. Um, but yeah, I've had I've been pretty bold, and I just think if I've got a clean holding shot, I just rip the fish up as hard as I can to the surface. And as soon as you get them close to you, this is for bronze whalers. Generally, they back off. Um, but yeah, again, not a, not a thing to promote. That's just my experience, and maybe I've been getting lucky. But I, I just think if you get that fish up fast, they they do back off. Um, a lot of guys like to do yeah, just let the fish where go around and round and round and round. I do watch a few videos, and I go just pull it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, easier said than done. Though they're tough, tough, tough fish. Well, it depends on your confidence in your shot. It depends on the the like the, the the species that you've got on the end of it because some of the soft flesh species just tear off as soon as you try and put any sort yeah. of, um, you know, hard tension on the line to pull them up. And uh, yeah. and also when you pull them as hard as you can, often they'll pull you under and it can be a bit of a battle for it. But I, I hear what you're saying though. And like, I mean, the other side of it is letting them dangle and fight and play and muck around. 
and then, then the sharks come in, get their blood up. And if you feed them, then you're starting to train them to continue to do that because they get rewarded for it. But um, Yeah, I say that, but then, you know, I thought I'd land a couple of these fish this summer and they just got chomped. So it's just too many variables, eh? Yeah. Yeah, give it a try. But, yeah, luckily we don't uh, have the bulls and tigers and stuff like in Aussie and other warmer climates just dealing with bronze whalers here in New Zealand predominantly. So it's it's they're very manageable. Yeah. Makos, have you been in the water with a Mako? Haven't seen one. Haven't seen a great white. I do want to see both in the right circumstances. I'm what? sure I'll get my um, chance soon enough. But <laughs> Everyone talks yeah. about the right circumstances. I, I feel like, you know, you want 50 metres visibility and um, no, yeah. de- no, no struggling fish on the end of a spear and um, a, a good the, buddy. Um, yeah, I did the cage diving actually. That was kind of before I got into the spearing in, in South Africa with the whites. That was pretty fascinating. And, you know, as you get into spear fishing and learn a bit more about the ocean and stuff, you probably, you know, wouldn't back that or do it again. But it was um, it was pretty cool. So saw some good whites there and, and guns by bay, which I've heard is all cleared out by the orcas. I've just come in and demolished these orcas. Yeah, right. um, and they've just um, demolished the whites. Sorry, and they've all yeah, just moved out. Orcas have taken over. Amazing things. Yeah, so I don't know if that tourism's bounced back or if they've moved back. Yeah, fascinating. Crazy. Yeah, like that. That the, the orcas are a real interesting one to read about too. Like they adapt, and they to their local sort of context, and they have these different hunting styles. Like, um, is it New Zealand? No, it's it's South Africa where they jump out and then they land on the backs of the sharks, don't they? Then they just yeah. they just eat the liver or something. Is that right? Yeah. Pretty like surgically looking removed, yeah, livers. It's amazing. And they just wash up. They're having these just fully mature whites just washing up. And yeah, it's only one animal that does it. It's the, the orca. Same with the stingrays here in New Zealand. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. Oh, they do that <laughs> to the stingrays as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hunt have... different, different animals around the world. So New Zealand stingrays, some places are predominantly seals, other places sharks. Yeah, fascinating. I heard the orcas in New Zealand now. I'm remembering now. I think they they do a blast by a great white, and then they um, disrupt the its balance, and they sort of put them in this weird stasis thing. Where, I don't know where it, it shatters or ruins their equilibrium, and so yep. they lose their place in the ocean. Then they come back and finish them off. Is that right? Have you heard that same? Oh, thing? I'm not. I think I might have heard that similar thing though as well. Yeah, they're they're just so clever. The orcas. I haven't seen them yet either, and I really want to swim with them um, again. A misconception from all the. You know, dream world attacks and stuff, but you know, no attacks in the wild. I think they're part of the dolphin family, quite me. Um, they're just a big, friendly, intelligent creature, yeah. To humans, should I say, friendly. <laughs> Unless <laughs> think, they're in yeah. captivity, yeah, then they seem to. Yeah, I think that's it, eh? So, obviously upset, but um, yeah, I wouldn't like it. We all watched Free Willy growing up, and that was massive. And I yeah, think totally. We all. It was a little bit anthropomorphic, but I think like um, it served a purpose too in educating us that sometimes these big intelligent animals, the last thing you want to do is see them locked away. Yeah, yeah. So well, I'll get my chance one day with all those big apex predators. <laughs> hey, buddy. How's your breath hold going? Really? You struggling? I do too sometimes. And that's why I've got something perfect for you today. I think you'll agree with me when I say that maintaining or even increasing your breath hold is a struggle, especially when you're not slaying fish every week. But what if I told you there was a way to train yourself easily and do it safely? 
freediving for spearfishers at howtofreedive.com will help you to extend your breath hold, understand your body better and put you in a better position when you actually get to go out spearfishing. This program, freediving for spearfishers, is not for noobs. Uh, it's for people who have some diving under their belts and understand basic spearfishing safety. But it's perfect for spearos who want a guided, easy to follow and complete program with videos, a clear process and a set goal. The goal is a five minute static. And check it out, freediving for spearfishers at howtofreedive.com. You can get started for free, do the taster. And if you do decide to purchase, use the code NOOBSPEARO, N-O-O-B-S-P-E-A-R-O to save some money if you do decide to purchase. Check it out at howtofreedive.com. Hunting a job fish can be challenging. Throwing sand, hiding, hunkering down and minimizing your profile, all of these techniques and more are why we call it the Jobfish Dance. Celebrate the Jobfish Dance at noobspero.com with a sick range of gear made just for our community at noobspero.com. Get your hands on some Jobfish tribute gear only available at noobspero.com. Taking you back over your sort of eight, nine years spearing, um, what would be like one of the silliest things you've done in the water and and uh, what happened and yeah. maybe what did you learn from it? Silliest things. I've done a lot of silly things. I mean, I've just been a cowboy for years with my little XFIB. People have seen that in the videos. Like, yeah, pretty bad, eh? Like, no safety gear whatsoever. Just a spear gun, a bottle of water, my mobile phone. <laughs> but having said that, you know, it's pretty limited. You can't go too far offshore in that little boat. But, um, um, yeah, probably just some of my missions I've been on in that thing. Like, I've done some ridiculous adventures. And, yeah, just no, not a safety kit, no first aid, just nothing, eh? But, um, yeah, that's just me. I'm, I'm a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a cowboy at times. Probably not the best advocate for the sport, but, um, Anyways, I just like to share my adventures, yeah. When you – so it sounds like you, you're very critical of yourself and, and some of the stuff you've done in the past. Have you changed? Have you improved? Have you – or are you still not where you want to be? Well, no. Yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not – I'm just not worried about things, eh? And I'm just not – I'm just not worried out there. Of, I'm not scared of dying, put it that way. Just in life in general. People go, are you scared of sharks? This and that is probably the most common question. I just go, no, I'm, I'm more scared of driving to the dive spot, which, you know, there's so many more things which are going to kill you than than blacking out or, or getting eaten by a shark. It's, yeah. And you just can't, you just can't worry. So you just get out there. But, yeah, I have started to get a bit more aware, but I guess I'm still, you know, 32. I don't have a family or anything. Um, yeah. Kids or anything. So I guess I don't have that the back of my mind which would change you a lot i imagine but yeah at the moment yeah solo and reckless to some degree yeah <laughs> have, you, <laughs> have you um have you ever thought about running trips or courses or doing any stuff yourself like with regards to teaching other people thought about it maybe um yeah in some sort of aspect i still potentially want to do something like that down the line um maybe it's not going to be all just the sparing some sort of full-on experience, but um, I don't don't know if it will be in New Zealand. It's just, it's just so much red tape here and, and rules coming in day after day. Like, that's why there's no – I don't think there's any spearfishing charters here, maybe one running, one or two. Um, obviously, you've had Davey on the podcast. It just, it's just too hard for anyone to run and, and be profitable with all the all the regulations. So it's just – it becomes a headache. 
Um, Julian Hansford had um, Spiro Camp, I think, going for a little while. I don't know if he's still doing that. Yeah, I'm actually unsure if he's doing that either. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's a tough one. And it's not sure if that's going to ruin the experience. I've done enough deckhanding with the spearing back in the day on the yachts. Um, yeah, just get in there. Yeah. Myself, yeah. Red tape, red tape kind of ruins a lot of stuff with spearing. Like I've heard at one time or another here in Australia, there was a few people that were very vocal about making a spearfishing license compulsory. They had this mm. idea that having compulsory training for spearos would um, reduce our risk and, and reduce fatalities and some very honourable type um, ideals. Like a lot of regulation, it comes through in this sort of guise, like, hey, we're going to help you and protect you, but then it ends up becoming kind of counterproductive because I don't know about you, but most of the licenses and training courses I've done are pretty shit. And I haven't come away from them, particularly the compulsory ones, like firearm safety, et cetera, with, with any more knowledge than I had before other and just sort of jaded about just you know, having to do them in the first place and pay money. It's just, it, it becomes a barrier to entry rather than. Oh, I totally agree, man. It just, in some sense, gives you a false sense of security because you think you're, yeah, this and that. Potentially some things, like you said, maybe just a boating license. I'd say there's probably more boating accidents running over spearovers than anything. Um, well, more than, you know, guys shooting each other or, or stuff like that. So. Yeah, I've got I've got a boating yeah, license. And a half, yeah. <laughs> Everyone in Australia that operates a vessel should have a boating license, but I think the same amount of people still get run over. Like, um, and this is what yeah. I mean, like a dive flag and the rules around, you know, even just navigating channel markers and stuff like that and, you know, uh, no wash areas, the basics, like doing the man overboard stuff that you do in a boat license test. A yeah. lot of these skills are yeah, very perishable. Basic. And uh, and a lot of people don't really seem to have paid much attention to it while they do their course. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, like the soup yachting was pretty fascinating industry. Like, yeah, like you said, you, you do all these tickets and this and that and licenses, and then you still get some, you know, drunk captain who will just, you know, run these multi-million dollar yachts on a reef or this or that, and just, yeah, cowboys will be cowboys, eh? So, yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan of any re- much regulations at all. There's people. Oh, I'm teaching. I'm teaching spearfishing courses. So you think I'd be one person that's pushing for it? Like, <laughs> hey, it's going to triple my business overnight. But I, yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't. I don't. Like one of the delightful things about running a course at the moment is the people that show up are extremely motivated, like-minded, yeah. and there's this vibe and there's this thing about people that have paid to come and have this experience and learn these sets of skills. They're extremely yeah. motivated. It's great to be around. It's great to teach. Teaching a course where everyone's been forced to be there would feel a little bit like going back to secondary school. So, yeah, yeah, investing in stuff um, yourself or like courses and stuff. Yeah, when you do spend some money, yeah, you do take it seriously, but it's got to be yeah, you're on your own will, yeah, on your own on your own terms, yeah. So, super yachting, spearing, hunting. How have you learned these things? What's your what What are your what's your been your path to mastery in all of these different um, fields of endeavor. How do you get better? Just time in the water, and people tell me, ask me all the time, how do you improve your breath hold? It's time in the water. Um, just time. Yeah, like I, I grew up. Yeah, it's been years just just walking around paddocks and bush with my ear rifle, just just shooting shooting birds, shooting anything that moves. No, 
didn't shoot everything, but um, I guess that, yeah, just hunting, that was where I started and moved into sparing and it's just, just being out there, man. Yeah. As you've, you know, on this podcast, everyone, you know, heard it many times, you know, the more misses you get and all the cliches, yeah, the more stuffed up on opportunities, all that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's true. Cliches are cliches for that. The one thing I'm picking up from you is you're pretty hard on yourself. You're very sort of reflective and you write yourself off a lot. Do you think that that pays into well into learning? So like you go out, right, and you have a, a shit day on the spear, you bugger up four fish and whatever happens, you know, um, maybe the motor breaks down on the way home. Are you the sort of guy that gets home and then you go, all right, here's what I did wrong for that, that and that. I'm not going to do that again. And then you like that. Is that sort of how you would approach it? Well, yeah, if you, if you don't do that, you're, you're screwed. Uh, you're not going to advance much, if anything, you know. So you need to. You need to, you know, it's just like just like anything, you know. Yeah. If you're not going to, yeah, evaluate what's just happened, well, you're not going to learn, yeah. And that's why some people don't improve, yeah, in anything in life because they just, yeah, you got to be somewhat hard on yourself. Yeah. But, you know. Sometimes it's, it pulls the joy out of it too, though, like I do it. Uh, Albert Einstein said, I think the definition of stupidity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And I, yeah. But I honestly feel like I, in life, like sometimes with a family and a job, it might be like like I just had a newborn, it's two months or something between dives, jump back in the water, feels like I'm learning and doing all the same dumb shit I did the last time I went diving. <laughs> and about halfway through the day, I finally warm up, the gears click in, and then I, it's like all the muscle memory comes back, and I, and that's kind of when the day of diving actually starts. But I've had three hours of just kind of making a mess of it to get there. Do you? I ever, guess it depends. Yeah, like what you're doing in life. If it's yeah, it depends on certain things. If you're just out there just to yeah, just chill out, zone out, and just have fun. Well, then as long as the mistakes aren't you know shooting your spear into someone's leg for a second time or this and that, you know you you. That's all good, you know. There's times to just, you know, relax and you don't have to be a pro and keep improving. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard you when you're yeah. very hard on yourself sometimes. With, but, yeah, I think I generally am a bit like that, yeah. Yeah. With your YouTube videos, right, are you – like there's a bunch of different guys ways of planning these videos – do you ever come up with a premise for a video and then go out and shoot it? Or do you just go on missions, film it, and then do the video later? Do you do anything planning-wise? Only if it's a really like a um, – probably only like once or twice, like when I was trying to get a marlin, like you had some somewhat of a idea. But, yeah, it's I, I, I find it never works out. You just, so I just film and, and see what happens because, yeah, you really don't know what's going to happen too much, yeah. And it would probably help out with videos and, you know, writing a script and algorithms and stuff. But, yeah, I just I'm, – I'm lazy and just like to do things, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's lazy. Like sometimes it's like um, – like I, I scripted some stuff and started doing some stuff and, and even like I've been making a video course and some things like this. When you overscript something you feel like you're acting or you're bugging it on kind yeah. of pulls that authenticity out of what you're doing and you're, and it also pulls the joy out of what you're making and why you do it in the first place. Yeah, I don't get those vibes from your channel. It doesn't feel canned to uh, me. And I've talked to quite a few people who've, you know, enjoyed my content or similar channels and they, you see some of these TV shows, you're right, and you just, you just can't get into it because it's just, 
they have these specific phrases they say, and it's just like it's so weird. And oh yeah. yeah, very high quality content, and it's amazing. But that's why you see some of these just random, random video YouTube channels of guys just yeah, just just go GoPro and they're just culling it, and people just they just click and vibe. Yeah, yeah. People aren't stupid. You can see through fake bullshit and and scripts and stuff. Yeah. Rod Rodney Pasidi, like I don't know if you've seen his. Um, channel he's Rocket, awesome. Rocket King. Yeah. yeah, he's like, yeah, that. and it's just like you vibe with him because you just like, and yeah. I, I feel like I wish like mainstream content creators would kind of get with the program. Like, we just like genuine people being themselves, and I mean, not everyone's personality is all the self censoring, you know, yeah. again, yeah. Yeah, 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 and it's yeah, you got to catch yourself out sometimes and just be aware and. I, I very rarely look back and even watch any of my videos ever. I kind of just make it and forget about it. But you do watch one back and you go, oh, God, that was yeah, definitely a bit cringy. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like that. But, um, yeah, you got to be careful and just, yeah. I wish, I wish more people were like that, yeah. Because there's some awesome, awesome high-quality content creators that are yeah, just a bit too scripted and, Vice versa, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. win everything, can you? Yeah. Who's your favorite? If you had to, like, if you do you model any of your stuff off anyone else? I mean, do you ever sort of go anywhere for inspiration? Are you ever inspired by other YouTubers or anything like that? Um, I don't know, man. Not really. I kind of think I've got my own kind of thing. I, yeah, I watch other other YouTubers every now and again. I don't watch much at all, um, but a lot of high-paced stuff out there. And, yeah, yeah, you get a few tips. It's it's good to watch a few things every now and again because you think, oh, that's pretty cool, yeah. you know. But what One nah, vibe I'm picking yeah. up from you right here, like I remember like um, growing up and, and pe- pe- people were like, you know, like if you see a leader you like, you know, like you you, – you, um, you watch what they do and you you sort of you replicate their behavior. But I'll be honest with you, like most of the jobs I had, I had really shit managers. And uh, yeah. and I learned more from what they did wrong and, ha- and saying to myself, I'm not going to do that than I did from like yeah. what they did right. Do you, do you sometimes like cringe and then go, oh, I've done that. I'm not going to do that again. Yeah, shit, yeah, man. Yeah, totally. But so, yeah, that's a tough one because you can – a lot of people say, well, I'm just, yeah, it depends what your reasonings are on a YouTube channel or making videos and stuff. But, yeah, if you wanted to, you know, the old saying, if you want to, you know, be successful and all that, you just copy someone, modify it, be better or something. But I don't – I just want to do my own thing. So yep. that's why my channel's probably nowhere as near as big as it could be because I don't have um, – what model, you know, what works and what works is putting a girl in a G string and some big tits yeah. on, oh. on, the, on the thumbnail. And oh. I get that all the time saying, just why don't you just get a girl in a, in a, in a thong and you'll get, you know, a million views. And I go, probably, probably would. Cause I see some pretty subpar videos and just chuck a, you know, big bunch of knockers on the screen and everyone's clicking it. But I, yeah, I'm not going to sell out and I'll just do, do what I'm doing. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's one reason I like you, Ollie. It's because you got <laughs> you got your own personal sense of values and integrity about what you're doing, and that's probably why a lot of people like your content. And um, there's something to be said about getting a million views or getting like a hundred from the people that are actually your people, because uh, yeah. you're going to get a million views, but you know if they're not even the people you like, then why would you want to make videos for them? 
oh man, and I'm I'm living, surviving, doing getting out there and doing what I want to do and stuff. And I've had opportunities to make a lot more money in my life. So I'm not just gonna yeah, put some big big booties on the screen to get those, you know, a few more clicks. Um yeah, it's all good, man. <laughs> Plenty of ways to make money. You know, you don't you don't have to do stuff like that. But good on them if you guys want to do that, fair cool, whatever. Talk to me about Primal Pursuit. You've got your own brand of shirts, stickers, hats. Um, talk to me about your gear, what your ambitions are with it. Are you hoping to um, obviously grow this as a bit of a revenue stream for yourself, but have you got um, greater ambitions for it? Are you going to make gear? Um, don't know, man. I just did it. Yeah, quite a few people asking when you're going to do merch and this, and I thought, oh, well, you know, why not? Bit of a little side hustle definitely um you know you can a bit more money on the side it's not going to hurt so um yeah i just kind of launched it got a few products on there um i might slowly start adding to it but i just yeah you got to be careful i don't well i i've got to be careful i don't want to turn into a another retail shop i did three years in retail it nearly you know blew my brains out um so you know it's it's <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't want to be a warehouse, and oh, it's it's a tough one. So I'll see where that goes. I've got another, I've got a few things I'm working on this year, which I'll add to that, which are pretty cool, um, products, services, whatever you want to call them. So yeah, I'll just let that truck along on the side. I haven't done any marketing or anything like that. Just yeah, if people want to, you know, buy, you know, t-shirt. I don't think marketing works for Spiros. Like, um, and and marketers will probably get in my ear and tell me I'm a moron and I'm just doing it wrong. I honestly feel like a lot of Spiros, uh, they hate marketing. Like they, you know, like I like ads, I find them like yeah. unless they're funny or there's value in them, I find them uh, uh, like um, distracting and annoying. And uh, I mean the, the podcast, I have some fantastic partners in here that I obviously create adverts for. I try to make them funny and upbeat and convince yeah. people of the value proposition. But I don't, yeah. I try not to make them too many disruptive and stuff like that. But Every platform you go on these days has a lot of ads. It's pretty disruptive and and um and just being marketed at all day it kind of makes you, and doing it to others, subjecting them to it, it makes you feel like I don't want that association with. My yeah, brand. I mean that's probably why I haven't done it because I just yeah I can barely bring myself to you know say at the end of a video if you want to you know support the channel. Like and subscribe, guys. Yeah. So um. Uh, yeah, there's probably ways to do it, of course, yeah, but um, yeah, it doesn't really vibe me pushing stuff. That's why I kind of like there's a couple of guys who, you know, the Patreon and stuff. I've got a Patreon, but I don't even put any content on there. I don't push people there just because I just, I just, yeah, just like putting stuff up for free and, you know, whatever. I, I view, I'm a bit the same with my patrons. Like, I'm about to make a sort of a email. Um, value sequence for them but my view is like patrons like for the noob spiro i view them more as people that want to invest in the mission of noob spiro which is you know to make the world a, a more safer spearfishing community more aware uh, better stewards of our ocean and its resources and and also network and just all frothing and having fun on it and if they connect with that mission then they become patrons but if they don't vibe with it and they don't have extra money then don't do it because like it's just like if, you, if you want to back like it. Said, there's probably a marketer listening, marketing guru listening, going, "You guys are both idiots." But <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, not like, a business person, just a just. Nah, a, neither. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And like, I find a lot of sparrows like that. Like, it's like you're grudgingly business people, and like sometimes the profit mm -hmm. motive almost like feels a bit ugly at times. But 
it's like, you know, even with running courses and stuff, like, you know, like I want to make Noob Spiro my main bread and butter so I can yeah. exit my work and do this stuff full time and make more stuff and better stuff. Well, mate, you're going to have to rethink everything. <laughs> <laughs> rethink your attitude there. Yeah. Get, no. rid of, get rid of someone. Oh, well. so, yeah, there's ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, back to sparing, bro, because we I, I love, you know what, you listen to the show, you know, I'm pretty bad. We just head off on random topics. Um, talk to me about species. Like um, in New Zealand, like like arguably you're fairly limited, like um, and that's not a necessarily a bad thing. Like it means that you see a lot of videos where guys are ha- hunting snapper or kingies. Um, oh, we're very yeah. But you've got, you've got, other opportunistic species as well. Um, like you mentioned, you've got marlin there at times of the year. You know, you've got John Dory and not that they're fantastic hunting, but, you know, um, boarfish, <laughs> boarfish and um, terakee, trevally. There's, you know, there are there are more species there. Yeah. But but talk to me about making spearfishing videos. Um, and, I mean, around what, what is your favorite species to hunt in New Zealand? Just love smacking a big kingy, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do I say, man? What have I got choice between <laughs> a kingy and snapper? Far out. That's <laughs> a joke, man. Yeah. Uh, but I, <laughs> I got to pick one of them, mate. <laughs> uh, I love oh, Belfry. You're just, uh, <laughs> just going to have to reinvent that question for Kiwis, man. It's, it's a. <laughs> Far out. Boring uh, answer. Yeah. Um, no, look, yeah, we're limited for species, but, um, look, there's so many other places in the world where they're just absolutely jealous that we can just go out year round and just get a feed like that, like, and, and that, and that's a feed. Like some people come back empty handed, but they've passed up a lot of reef fish, which are just actually, if you know how to cook eating, but, um, no, uh, the blue water scene's actually finally getting some traction here. People are figuring out how, how to hunt albacore tuna, um, Marlin scenes kicking off, like the the big blue water um, scenes. Yeah, it's starting to grow quite a lot as people figure out how to hunt species and um, whatnot. So that's cool. There's a big blue water comp each summer now. Um, yeah, so that's it is growing. Like I think we just haven't really tapped into that as much. Um, well, a lot of it's boating big miles, isn't it? Because you're heading out to the shelf. There's only problem. So yeah, um, it's not for everyone. Um, but yeah. Plenty of tuna around, like they're showing up in all sorts of spots now, and heaps of young guys just, you know, smacked over heaps of bluefin tuna just off Milford Sounds, right at the bottom of, bottom of the South Island this summer. So it's 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 growing, but yeah, we're totally limited, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no way around yeah. it. Yeah, but like, I mean, it's the same thing with hunting too, with terrestrial based hunting, but no, no hunts ever really the same. Um, even with kingies, like you get a big school, like you're looking for the biggest fish in the school. Um, they're either yeah. there or they're not. Like, there's not a lot of skill in hunting kingies once you learn how to control your body language. They are they are so prolific, but if you enjoy it and you still enjoy it after you've smacked a hundred of them um, over the years, like, why not just keep enjoying it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree, man. So, oh yeah, I don't think anyone doesn't enjoy smacking a good kingie or, or a snapper. So, yeah. At least we've got kingies. Without them, we would be really, really screwed. Yeah. I was just thinking about, like, <laughs> Making a bit of a like a uh, cameo video, like smacking, <laughs> 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 sorry, <laughs> smacking another kingy with Ollie. 
<laughs> uh, and just having a kill reel and ac- actually like just having fun with it. And, like, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll put a montage yeah. of people like, disgusting to know how many I've shot at least. So maybe <laughs> if you have fun with it too, like yeah, you've got your own brand of humor by the sounds of it. A lot of it's pretty self-deprecating. Learn from the best. Adam Stern's courses at freedivingfamily.com are written and presented by some of the world's best freedivers and most experienced instructors. Lessons learned come from years of freediving and teaching at the highest levels and are now condensed and available for everyone. Go to freedivingfamily.com, use the code SPIRO and you get 20% off any course. Now there's Frenzel, Advanced Frenzel, Hands-Free Equalization, there's Mouthful and Deep Frenzel Equalization, even Bi-Finning Essentials. Get that finning technique right. It's the one percenters that make the difference in spearing and allow you to have more time on the bottom and you feel better even doing it. Go to freedivingfamily.com and use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Adam Stern's courses at freedivingfamily.com. In the world of freedive spearfishing, there's no magic breathing technique that's all of a sudden going to get you down and shoot massive fish at depth and holding big bottom times. But there is a way to do it safer and smarter, take down more fuel to maximize the time that you have there. Learn at noobspearer.com forward slash Ted with Ted Hardy from Immersion Freediving. If you take down more fuel, you can stay for longer. Learning to take a bigger breath is not such a big deal. Ted breaks it down for you with a free online course at noobspearer.com forward slash Ted. Take down 20 to 30% more air just by learning how to take a full breath. Again, learn how to do it free at noobspearer.com forward slash Ted. Are you in the market for a new spear gun? Killshot Spear Guns has got blue water wahoo tuna guns, open track spear guns, enclosed track spear guns, rear handle enclosed tracks. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com. Even better, I've got some good news for you. You can save $30 on any Killshot Spear Gun at killshotspearguns.com. Use the code NOOB. If you're in store, just say crikey, mate, or say Shrek from the Noob Spiro sent you, and you'll save $30. Ed Martin at killshotspearguns.com. Check them out. Um, who are your funny dive buddies? <laughs> like, walk us through some funny stuff you guys get up to. No oh, dive buddies, they don't exist, mate. No, <laughs> no, I do do a lot by myself. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you are. You're a bit of a you know, solo diver, like you said before. Yeah, I love my own time, so it's good. But um, yeah, I'm slowly, you know, I, I do the odd dive with some other people. That's good. It's it's got its place, but I just. Yeah, if you turn up late, 10 minutes to the boat, <laughs> man, that's your chance. Gone. You'll never come back on. And... <laughs> People don't get it out. Yeah. Like, all right. Lucky, like, and that's me, and, like, I've got, you know, quite a bit of time to deal with. But people who go out with people, and a lot of the guys, it's their, they'll dive once every two months. It's their chance, you know, no matter what weather they're going out there. And if these guys turn up late, well, far out, man. People don't have time for that. Eh? But, it's yeah, it's, it's hard organising people. Um I had a good mate. I taught him to spear. I've never shared this story before. And uh, anyway, like going spearing off Brisbane sometimes, like you're in the boat for an hour at least, right? You get your weather lined up, yeah. you get your weekend, you get your crew, you finally, everyone's got the time off, boom, you're headed out. It's a Sunday. Weather's perfect, yeah. you know? And then midday rolls around, you know, I've shot maybe two or three fish. Like I said to you, I've had that same shit start to the day that I always have. I'm just a Gumby. It's like starting all over again. And people are like, do you have a podcast? And, um, but anyway, about lunchtime rolls around and I'm just starting to get into gear. Right. And my good mate, I taught him to spare and, uh, he convinced me to bring his brother out one day. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah no worries. Cool. I'll, I love, you know, teaching people and it'll be fun. Anyway, it comes out. Lunchtime rolls around. I'm just kicking into gear. And he's like, what, what time are we going in? And I'm like, mate, like when you commit to a day of spirit out here, like it's dawn till dusk, buddy. Like it's a big day. We, this is this is it yeah. for me for probably a couple of months. Like I'm out here to have, you know, a full day. Anyway, yeah. I've got to work night shift tonight. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. bro, what did you come out for? Like, you know, like. Yeah, but um, yeah, but yeah, no, I've, I've had plenty of guys, you know, taking out diving and had awesome days. Yeah. And um, that's good. But just, yeah, mix it up. No, I'm, I'm just, yeah, again, not a, you know, person to copy, copy but, uh, yeah, I just love I just love solo diving. There's quite a few guys in the community just the same. It's just our thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, not, yeah, not someone to copy. Yeah. <laughs> You're a bit introverted. You get a lot of energy from, like, um, from being by yourself. Yeah, I love being by myself. My own time, I'm totally okay with it. Yeah. And then, um, like most introverts here, Couple of beers turn the opposite, but it's all good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm yeah, totally okay. I just yeah, just love doing my own thing. It's it's all it's all good, man. Yeah. All right, dive gear. You talked about Rob Allen before. Um, walk me through. You know, you also talked about experimenting about spear guns. Walk us through sort of your evolution with spear guns. Well, so what I, first gun I bought was the um, your one twenty carbon. Tuna, they call it, or some GT, I think, at the time. Anyways, 120 carbon Rob Allen, twin 16 mil rubbers, 7.5 mil shaft. That was a setup, and I, I was just using that for the first kind of two years, just shooting butterfish and anything. It was just, you know, smashing everything. But overpowered, even for, like, like Kingies, like, I think a lot of guns are overpowered for them. But um, good gun, and I've still got that gun to this day. Um, I set it up now, though, with a, a 7 mil shaft and a, Two fourteens, little bands, um, fourteen mil rubber, basically for all my guns now. A lot smoother, easy to load. It's all about band stretch and stuff. You've had Duncan on here, the guys like that who are a bit more technical, but um, yeah, band stretches everything. Um, and then what else? Have I, yeah, I've just picked up a fuel on the way. Eventually got into a roller gun. Um, love and hate relationship for a few years. It was just yeah couldn't quite figure it out and then just got stuck on one mold. So I got a hundred centimeter rod building car- carbon, six and a half more shaft, 14 more rubbers. And it's just so light, so nimble, accurate as man, shoot any kingies and stuff. It's no, no issues with power. And that's probably my favorite gun now. Yeah. That's like my, just my go-to little gun. Um, Have you shot big kingies with that? Um, yeah. 25 plus. Oh, wow. Range and you'd, you'd be able to punch a thirty kilo one. Um, yeah, that's um, what you want. You just want you want the confidence that you know you can shoot some of the bigger fish that come at you. That that's the problem I have with my smaller roller. I like I, I sometimes just I've had it I've had it um, like not punch through on a few bigger Spanish mackerel, and mm. um, sometimes you are taking like a three and a half four meter shot with uh, with mm. some of those species, and they. Sometimes with the rollers, they they do throw a shaft far and pretty fast, but it seems to lack with a single roller. It just seems to lack sometimes that penetration power to get through a larger bodied fish. 
Particularly yeah. when you hit it beyond sort of three meters, maybe. I don't know. I'm just that. That's just my. Yeah, I kind of agree. Like I never had issues with the like the seven more shaft on the one twenty. I think it just has that oomph at longer range. But yeah, rollers. Once you just got to have them set up well. They've set up well. They've just got a very small window. If it's not set up right, it's not going to shoot well. Where a traditional double band, you've just got so much of a bigger window. If the bands are old and stretched and and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I've, I've talked with a lot of guys doing a lot of testing, um, including Rob and stuff. And, yeah, the, there's no denying they've got more power and range and stuff for a shorter model. But once you get to those longer guns, you know, 130 plus, then I don't think there's too much benefit, eh? mm. uh, what, I've, what I've heard from a lot of guys. Yeah, I haven't done the testing, but, yeah. What did, you shoot? What did you shoot your Marlin with? Um, it was just a 120 single roller. Um, that was that same gun. I, my original OG gun converted it, chucked a, a roller on it. I actually had quite loose bands and it um, only just punctured through the other side, but it was a fairly long shot. Um, yeah, lucky to land that. But I said the drop barb on it and it just got stuck in the, the middle of the flesh. Yeah, it's pretty lucky on that fish. Have you got a video up of that one? Yep. Um, somewhere on my YouTube. If you just, yeah, Ollie Craig Marlin. It should come up, I suppose. Pose. Oh. Um, I'll link yeah. that up in today's show notes. People can go and have a look. I'm pretty yeah, cool. curious myself. Is it a stripey or? Yeah, stripey. So that's most of them here in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Um, good numbers, yeah. And yeah, just I've been chasing them for a couple of years, three years. Not a hell of a lot of trips, probably six trips. And then, yeah, just found a found a, a bait ball. Got well, lucky. Walk me through it. What happened? Well, lucky, actually, one of the guys had polarised sunglasses on. We wouldn't have seen anything happen. Nothing would have happened if he didn't have these sunnies on. And we're cruising and cruising. Saw a few boats in the distance. Usually when you see a, a few boats, they're all out trolling. Um, if they're starting to merge together, someone's obviously marked bait on the surface. And they'll start kind of doing laps, figure of eights, and then another boat would join. And so if you see a couple of boats, generally that's a good, um, good indicator. So we saw, I think it was only two or three boats headed over there. And there's literally two two gannets sitting on the surface. And um, it's always a good thing when there's birds sitting on the surface, even if there's a couple, um, run past and see what's under. And sure enough, we got close and massive bait ball. Um, we couldn't see it. Driver said, there's a massive bait ball right there. And we go, what? Chucked his sunnies on and like, whoa, quickly like freaked out, absolute frantic, did a loop and somehow came back on like it's quite deceptive out there the currents are moving so fast the bait ball's moving bit of a miracle really and then um pretty much got pushed over the side of the boat and um it's a bit of a another cowboy setup like we had all most most sparrows if you're targeting marlin you're trolling without hooks in the lures all of our hood all of our lures had hooks um, <laughs> <laughs> I peel over the spear gun gets caught and you know it's just crazy there's hooks flying past and Absolute shit show, but um, got on the ball and there's about four big stripies just underneath working it up. Probably another 20 minutes before it got to the surface where they would start smacking it. So quite early in the piece. And um, yeah, and then this ball, it's unbelievable. It's just moving so fast out there, the current and it's... Um, what sort of bait? Yeah, sorry? Um, I think they were... A, like a mackerel? Um, something kind of like that. Yeah, pretty small. It's a yeah. uh, star S, I think. Um, okay. It's not a yeah, slimy. Anyway. Mackerel? No, nah, there was, was another name, but um, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Thousands of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know one. the names of half the bait I'm looking at either, but 
Like, um, nah. I mean, it's it's such a big indicator with with lots of species, but obviously with um with the striped marlin, like it'd be critical. I should know. New Zealand would probably only got two or three bait species as well. Nah, you've got a few, man. You've got a few for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just got lucky. This one came up right beside me, came out right in front of me, and I just just smacked it right in the middle. And um, it was all on. It got tangled, the line and the bungee, the hooks from the lures from the boat. It was chaos, man. But um, I think I nicked the spine, so it was it was pretty pretty buggered. But still did a few runs, but half an hour, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, got the job done. How big, <laughs> how big did it go? And what was dispatching it like? Um, so it was buggered. Basically, I couldn't get a second shot. It was just a disaster. I had all these rod fishermen on on board and I'd had another roller gun set up and it was all anyways, long story disaster. I couldn't get a second shot. So I just had to let this fish play until it, it died. So yeah, went dead at about 10, 15 meters. Well, swam down and got it up, but um, yeah. What it weigh? 95 kilo. Holy moly. That's a So it was good because. I thought you were going to say like 30 or something. Oh come on, bro! <laughs> no, even, the, um, even a ninety-five kilo striped marlin, uh, a thirty-five kilo one is impressive. A ninety-five kilo fish is—it's a big fish. It's all right. Like um, the clubs in New Zealand, they have a kind of an unwritten rule. They don't want to weigh fish in unless it's ninety kilos. That's the benchmark. Okay. Because um, they do grow quite big here and stuff. So, but um, you didn't quite make the hundred. But um, yeah, I was happy with it. Yeah, leaves room for improvement. I'll still want to get another one one day. I like some of the unwritten rules, you know, like, um, and this is the thing about being tied into a local spearfishing club or your local sort of area, like yeah. um, the fisheries rules and the guidelines and bag limits, size limits are very different than what the spearos consider a, a, or, or even line fishermen, what they consider a good um, example. Because a lot of people like, you know, they want to fish over a certain size. It means it's had a lot of, a couple of breeding cycles or whatever. And it sounds like they might have something like that going there with the striped marlin. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's it's good, it's good. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of a thing as well. People will catch something and it'll be about seventy kilos. It's it's probably buggered, like barely going to survive. You know, putting it back. Some of them obviously don't. Quite a big percentage, um, and they wouldn't want to bring that back to the boat room to be you know embarrassed by the boys. You know, get laughed at the boat room. But really, you know, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I think if you catch something, just just eat it. Yeah. Most of the time, that's my theory. Um, but yeah, again, one of those debates. Eat, eating the um, the stripey was it as good as a red mochi? No, not even close to a red mochi. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot people, a lot of people smoke up the marlin, but like some people, were, it's like a it's got a strong flavour profile, I believe. No, it was absolutely stunning. I've been, I've heard good things. Um, we had raw sashimi. As we're cutting it up with the lemon, absolutely beautiful, quite rich. Um, steaks, obviously smoked. Most people smoke it. You name it. We we did quite a few things with it. And I think it's kind of like a kingy, very versatile, very tasty. Yeah, yeah. No, nothing, nothing bad about it. But looked after well. Yeah. I noticed with um, and having, you know, done a seafood cookbook, like a lot of people have very strong preferences for either reef fish or or sort of more pelagic or game fish. Um, sounds like you like some of the larger body game fish flavor profile as well. Is that would that be fair or nah? Just just whatever, man. You'll, you'll eat everything. Yeah, pretty much. Except for um, 
I've actually only got one thing I don't eat out there, and it's anchovies. Oh, I yeah. get that. They're disgusting. But <laughs> no, nah, the yeah, I just eat anything, man. It's all fish is good, eh? But um, like I love, I love red fish. You into your kinna? Oh, that's one other thing. Yeah, kinna, nah, bro. <laughs> yep, yep. People either are either for or against. Like with man, kinna. I'm trying because I, you know, I've read off heaps of stuff for years, olives and and stuff, and you slowly, you know, develop your palate as you age. But um, they're just disgusting, man. I've had a few out there. The males, I think, they're the lighter ones. When yeah. I'm thirsty and hungry out in the water, I've had a few. I must say they were all right, but um, I'm going to learn. I, I need to just get some new recipes and. Because there's so many there. It's, it's surely it's a good resource I need to be tapping into. I was over there a few years ago and I um, was hanging out with Blair Herbert and I met David Dupav and ET. And um, she told me about some phenomenal kinna recipe she had because, you know, they call it an uni in Japan. And um, there's a lot of like, um, you know, it's looked on very favorably over there and they've got really interesting ways of making it. She had this fantastic way of doing it. I can't quite remember how she did it, but. Um, I'll have to try and find that recipe because um, sometimes I think with some of the more like um, uh, what would you call it, you know, like unfamiliar type things like like sea urchin, um, yeah. it's almost nice to have a soft landing with like a, a recipe or a dish that's like quite palatable and easygoing. It's a it's a nice gateway entry into you know enjoying. It's got to be. I mean, oh, I'm sure there is. So I'll just need to um, yeah, experiment. I mean, I I, I ate. Um, I ate raw liver the other day from a, a dero shop for the first time because I've been trying to find ways to eat that. It, I can't stand the texture and taste of cooked liver, but raw liver. And it, my uncle said it tastes like um, has it almost tastes like a, a fresh oyster. And I love I love oysters, so I crunched. I ate this piece of raw liver, still warm, and it was crunchy and it was beautiful. So you just got to try things in the summer, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah so that yeah. surprised me. So I think there's hope for kinna, but um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Do you listen to Joe Rogan or watch Meat Eater or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Pretty um pretty big listener of Rogan. Um Meat Eater. I've watched yeah, fair few of his as well. Yep, that's some that's some good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think between Joe and Steve Rinella, they've popularized a lot of terrestrial based hunting and Obviously, Meat Eater now have got Kimmy Werner on board, so they're starting to do a bit more spearfishing stuff as well, which is pretty cool. Yep, but seen that, which is cool. Yeah, I think they've opened up our world to a, a broader audience, which is good and bad, because um, sometimes we yeah. like to protect our little um, our little spots and our and our and our little lifestyle. We don't really want or need yeah. everyone to do it. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But hey, everyone. Yeah, it's a thing. Like people say, oh, too many people join the sport. Things are going to get stripped and stuff. But if you look at the bigger picture, yeah, more people just catching their own food. Then there's less commercial, you know, uptake. And you know, I don't think that'll put a dent in it. But um, <laughs> maybe, maybe in the future. So that's awesome. Yeah, more people, the better, man. More competition, more gear innovation, all that stuff. Competition's good. Yeah. Freediving for Spearfishers at howtofreedive.com will help you to extend your breath hold, understand your body better, and put you in a better position when you actually get to go out spearfishing. This program is not for noobs, as this program is for people who have some diving under their belts and understand some basic spearfishing safety, but it's perfect for spearos who want a guided, easy to follow and complete program with videos, a clear process, and a set goal. The five-minute freediver works. 
Get started for free and see if it's for you at howtofreedive.com. There's a tester there. Use the code NOOBSPERO, N-O-O-B-S-P-E-A-R-O to save some money if you do decide to purchase. Check it out at howtofreedive.com. Freediving for spearfishers, a fantastic way to prepare, especially if you've got a big trip coming up. Get to that five-minute mark, and it does translate to your diving at howtofreedive.com. This podcast is brought to you by aqualite.com.au. This is the best solution bar none for staying hydrated in the ocean. If you're a Spiro, it's an absolute no-brainer. It's a game changer. If you're doing extended trips and the cramp starts to set in and uh, the old body's telling you, hey, that's enough, just get hydrated and it will save you a whole heap of woe. It's a groundbreaking product that can help you to stay hydrated. It's got low sugar, it's less acidic than other options on the market, it's rapid absorption, help you to maintain performance. Dehydration of just one to 2% can affect your mental and physical performance by up to six or 7%. And as when you're spearfishing, you can tell when dehydration is starting to affect you because your equalization goes out the window. Get Aqualite at aqualite.com.au. It's scientific rehydration that Spiros know and trust. I know because one works there, and that's why we've set up this discount code for you. 10% off when you use the code NoobSpiro at aqualite.com.au. Check it out. Australian-made hydration products tailored for Spiros and a whole bunch of other people that suffer from dehydration too. But check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NoobSpiro to save 10%. Handmade spear guns from the USA, killshotspearguns.com, have made rugged, functional, simple spear guns utilizing the best components. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com. Save $30 on any timber spear gun. Use the code NOOB. Visit killshotspearguns.com. All right, bro. Well, let's we'll head on out with, um, oh, actually, the rest of your dive bag. Are you still using predominantly Rob Allen gear or have you kind of diversified a bit? Just rocking his guns. Um, what else? I mean, Seabuck fins, they're a bit of a composite fiberglass, you know, carbon fiber mix. They're Kiwi, quite nice. Kiwi made thing, aren't they? I think everything's Chinese made. No, no, they're, um, I don't know where they come from. It was a Kiwi company. So I'm not sure. Actually, I actually don't know exactly where the fins are from. Um, they're all good. It's been nice. Um, Changing from straight fiberglass, I used to get quite sore ankles, you know, stiffer fin. So it's been nice. Um, still, just yeah. Hey, might change stuff in the future. Might move on from my Rob Allen. Who knows, man? I'm just sponsors. Have you got sponsors? Have you had sponsorship offers? Yeah, Buck look after me for wetsuit and fins. So yeah, Seabuck wetsuit. That's great. Um, been loving that. Rocking that for two years now, I think maybe. Um, mask. Geez, just some generic kind of GoPro mask off, you know, and internet um just fits doesn't leak doesn't fog um that's all you need you got and no just, beard you got no beard bro finding a master fits is easy come on bro just just shave me no, no. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't go much there so that's a bonus um oh, nice. what else is there for gear all the basics man there's nothing too exciting about socks and shit but um what else is there man your gopro what are you filming on it's got the latest ones the 11s Lost three this year, just holy moly. That's expensive. so I've done really well there. Um, so yeah, I've just ended up you just got to stay here, you know, get the latest when you re- replace them, so they're good. But, um, are you filming yeah. 
What are you filming? Yeah, I kind of just started mixing in a bit of 4K. I've got to play around and stuff. It's um, Again, it gets a bit technical, that stuff for me, the editing, so I don't want to <laughs> change it and bugger it up too much. But yeah, two, 2.7 seems to be enough quality, I think, for most people. 50 yeah, frames? Something, something like that, man. Yeah. 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 I, I should see I should you like check. geeking out on it. Oh, that's good. I should have probably told you, warned you I was going to geek out on a little bit with you. Um, yeah, what about Mac, editing? Are you what are you using for editing? Um, so I'm on Mac, so I just Final Cut Pro. Yep. Um, that's enough for me. I mean, I'm not too advanced in the editing, so yeah, I think most people use Adobe if they're on PC and stuff. It seems to be the winner. Um, but Final Cut, I've had no issues. It's good, easy. Yeah, so I used to use iMovie and stuff, and it's pretty similar. So sometimes yeah. those um. Those low-level, cheap editing programs, you can still learn quite a bit about just editing by even using some of the less feature-risk, uh, feature-rich, um, sort of the cheaper end software, I think. I'd be yeah, for guys like me and similar channels and stuff, we probably could use some bog basic thing because we're not touching the surface of, you know, the features. So, yeah, people get caught up in buying these big, you know, yearly memberships hundreds and hundreds of dollars man just get something free you know it's all you're gonna need here yeah man cool yeah all right so we 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 went through your gear i think we pretty much covered everything are you diving a reel these days or floating rig line yeah i've always used reels though i can't i just cannot use a float line yeah it's just not me eh? and people say um you know they're always going on about safety and reels and stuff but from day one we just got ours rigged at the factory with reels and i actually find well, depending on the float line, if you're using these cheap three-strand float lines, I think they're the most dangerous thing out, easily tangible lines. So if you've got a nice hard line, but I, from my opinion, I think reels are safer than um, than float lines. There's less tangle. But that's just my opinion, and again, don't listen to that because I'm a – Well, I like it's a good conversation to have, see, because everyone's – like it's contextually driven. If you're diving in current, there's a lot of boat traffic, then, you know, you, you want to have a float in and around you because it gives you that yeah. that visibility, you know, and having a reference point for your dive buddy and so on, um, it's, it's mm-hmm. a massive thing. Plus the other thing with a real gun is like, if you, if you, if it locks up on you, you've got to say goodbye to your spear gun. And, yeah, um, but it's down to gear. Like I've never had my real lock up. Yep. And I don't know, maybe it's just good gear or the, the quality of line, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that gets parroted a lot. You know, one of those, you know, don't dive alone and what's just for fair reason, but like the the real thing, don't don't get a real. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's okay. It's it's good to hear. Just my experience, yeah. But yeah, probably would recommend most guys just to start off simple with a float line and a float. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, like, scared of reels. Yeah. I like when I'm teaching people, I like it if they can just pull the trigger on something, shoot a fish, and then let everything go if they want to. And just head straight for the surface and not have to worry yeah, that's about anything. Good, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, just, yeah, not the guy that I listen to, but yeah, that's my <laughs> experience. Just never, never had an issue with anything with the reels. Yeah. So, yeah. Where's the wood? Knock, knock. Yeah. 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 So, with, uh, with all the conversations you've listened to on the Noob Spiro, do you, do you think we parrot on too much about safety or too little? Like, obviously, you're a very like risk tolerant sort of man. So, I'm very interested in hearing your perspective. Um, nah. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with parroting safety stuff. I don't think it's overkill. Like you said earlier, courses and stuff, yeah, well, you can have idiots, you can have idiots. So, no, I mean, this, yeah, and I always recommend people just go and do a freediving course, learn the, the breath holds, the breathe ups, 
post post breathing once you're you know at the surface and recovery breaths so it's pretty crucial all that stuff so I, I do back some safety stuff, mate. I'm not totally. Do <laughs> <laughs> so you like the freediving courses? Have you done one? Yep. So I did it through Oceanta, um, which I used to work at Oceanta um, for a couple yeah. of years in New Zealand. So which that's one? Kind of, I took a lot of um, in Auckland. Oh, yeah. All those yep, boys so. have actually got uh, 99 spare recipes. Um, so the Whangarei store, the Auckland store, and the Wellington store have all got them in their shops now. Because I, I was wrapped. I had a bit of drama getting it into New Zealand. Like uh, my yeah. man uh, Jared got it into Typer Tackle, and that was the only shop in the country at one stage stocking them. And I was like, Typer Tackle, yeah. And then I, um, I finally got onto the Ocean Hunter boys because um, Matt from Debono Spear Guns took them over to the um, fishing and boating expo. And so, yeah, yeah, I just caught up with them actually. Yeah, at the yeah. show. So everyone yep. sort of got a look at this the the recipe book. So then all of a sudden they wanted them over there because some of the conversations I had were like, Spiros don't read. And I was just like, What? Like it's a book that teaches people how to care for their catch. Like there's 158 yeah. recipes in there. Like, what where's the big like anyway? I finally got them in. So Ocean Hunter got them. So Oh, that's your, good, mate. Your old shop are good. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So, how long did you work there for? And did I guess that 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 made you geek out on gear a little bit? Yeah, yeah, constantly just tweaking and twiddling around with stuff and this and that. And it was good though. Learned a lot. Um, learned a lot there actually about sparing and this and that. Um, old Mike. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. You do you do learn a lot being in a shop. Um, like that and fixing guns and seeing some relics come in is pretty cool and just meeting people. I've, I've met so I met so many um so many people on there which I've turned into dog buddies, a couple of them, good friends and yeah, that's cool. But yeah, retail is a is a tough game mentally. <laughs> I had to, I had to leave. <laughs> it's not for everyone, man. Like I've watched a lot of people that are keen Spiros um start working in shops and two years later like they're not much of a sales person. The other people that people complain about, like, because <laughs> it's hard to be friendly all the time and engaging with people, and they're asking you the same questions that you hear fifteen times a day. So, it's hard, man. It's, it was hard, yeah. And then you know, get some. I think I had a death threat at once. One guy's coming in to fight us just because his package didn't turn up on time. But you know, it was my fault, of course. And um, yeah. It's all sorts of shit, eh? Yeah. That, that guy, funnily enough, went had this big dile- um, dilemma, him coming in to try and fight and stuff, and then he had his trip the next week up to one of the Pacific Islands and, and he had a storm for the whole time because we were looking at the weather, so it was a bit of a karma. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he even got out, so that's good. Oh, yeah. I had some poor bugger order some um, custom penetrator fins from me a while back, and he really wanted them for this charter, but... You know, they were three days too late from the start of his trip. I was spewing for him, but he was good about it. But you do feel mm. guilty when someone's headed away on a big trip and they just want that, you know, just a really sweet bit of equipment. They've, they've invested all this time and money and going to commit to do something and then um, they mm. don't have their gear tuned in. It's a, it's, it is a big thing. You have a level of empathy, but your death yeah, threats you is pretty full on. Yeah, yeah, just a bit. Yeah. You should be on YouTube, yeah. So that's good. I'm sure they'll probably come, though. <laughs> yeah, That'd the video be- will be the Marlin if it ever gets any traction. That seems to be the one they love to um, target Spiros on, eh? Big, big, big game fish. fish. Yeah, yeah. So oh, they'll come one day. 
Rogan <laughs> Rogan talks about it a little bit about the hierarchy of like um, anthropomorphism, I guess you could say, with regards mm. to how high and higher esteem we hold these animals. You know, like Bambi was pretty terrible for um, for deer. Yeah, but be- yeah, for be- sure. Bear was uh, another one that's been really maligned by the sounds of it, and then. But in sparing, we have our own kind of things too, and it definitely starts at that sort of larger bodied animal. There is a sort of a certain perspective that we're yep. just like um, trophy hunting dickheads, I think some people seem to think. Yeah, no, totally, man. So it's a good awareness. Yeah, like Steve Rinella, we spoke about earlier, and the bear, mm. that actually opened my eyes up. I didn't know too much about bear and that they're a bloody pest in some spaces. And, and really good eating too. Arguably. So, yeah, I've, have to get up that side of the world one day. Yeah. Cut up in the blueberry fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Far out. It sounds interesting. Like, it does give you an awareness listening to some of these podcasts and Hunter's stories about what's happening in other parts of the world. Got a sweet deal for you today, guys. Go to freedivingfamily.com and learn from Adam Stern and a select team of experts on different disciplines. There's Frenzel, Advanced Frenzel and Hands-Free Equalization, Mouthful, Deep Frenzel Equalization, Bifinning Essentials. These are courses that will give you the 1% that will allow you to improve. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. Again, that's the code SPIRO to get 20% off at freedivingfamily.com. Thanks, Adam and team. Love it. Imagine on your last spearfishing trip, your best mate never comes up from his last dive and dies from a blackout. Picture having to tell their family, spouse, and kids that their loved one died on your watch and knowing their death could have been prevented simply by being near them when they surfaced. Unfortunately, I've had many people reach out to me over the years and share exactly what that was like. I can't imagine anything worse than this. If you wanna make sure this doesn't happen to you, simply commit to diving safer. My name is Ted Hardy, and I'm the founder of Immersion Freediving, and I want to do more to stop the needless fatalities from blackout than any other person on the planet. And that's why I created freedivingsafety.com. If you want to learn how to reduce your risk of having a blackout, how to save your buddy's life, sign up for my free course at freedivingsafety.com. It is not a substitute for an in-person course, but it's free, comes from a trusted and reliable source, and you can start learning immediately. One month after launching this course, Aspiro called me and said he saved his buddy's life just from going through the course. His buddy blacked out underwater. He was able to recognize the signs immediately and was able to save his life. Jeremy Gamble, founder of Aspiro Magazine, said since he started hunting in cooperative teams, they put way more fish in the cooler than they ever did competing against each other. Dive safe out there. It's not even that hard, especially when you can learn for free at freedivingsafety.com. All right, single best piece of advice you've ever been given for spearfishing? Don't dive alone. No. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just being comedic. Um, What's made a difference for you? What's the difference between a good day out diving and a bad day? Well, I'm, I'm all... I'm all for having a good day out in the water. It's always a good day. But I, I'm all for, for taking food home. It's still a big part of it for me. Like, I just live off venison, fish, and the basics. Like, I'm a pretty simple diet. So I just think, well, it's not advice, but maybe it's a bit of my advice. I just say there's something there that looks eatable, and you will eat it, just shoot it. So if I pass up fish at the start of the day, it's one. Of, it's kind of like, you know, catch 22, then just nothing turns up. So I, I just like to bang a butterfish or something easy at the start. and. And you've always got something to take home. 
there's nothing wrong with taking a feed home, you know. So, yeah, I haven't had too much advice, yeah. I remember cooking up butterfish in the Trekkers backpackers in Wellington when I was down there and uh, cooking up butterfish and butter just on the fry pan there with my um with it with some other people that I was diving with and jeepers is a good feed like and then I I, I remember like years later really I moved to Australia and reading NZ Spiro forum and a lot of people just talking smack about guys still eating butterfish and and I just remember thinking like jeepers that was some of the best fish I'd ever eaten at the time. Oh, that's, that's awesome. yeah, I love butterfish. Yeah. Absolutely underrated. It's just heaps of them, so people think it's yeah no good, but no. beautiful. It's the weed eater thing too. I think just to get that stinky guts and it just puts people <laughs> off. Eh? <laughs> oh, people are picky, eh? So picky. Um, who who has been the most influential person or people in your spearfishing? Um, probably. Probably some of the boys that we had on the um, on the seapot, man, like Francisco, just seeing the accuracy and and just just impressed by their skills. Yeah, I saw some some wicked wicked scenes there. They were just um, just maybe the quality of the diving, but um, no, Mike Ashland, he he was he has a lot of good good input. Yeah, I learned a lot from him. So shout out to Mike. Um, yeah, lots of lots of info away, um which I still haven't put to use. I mean I haven't 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 been over doing a lot of tropics trips, you know. Learned a lot about doggies and wahoo and all the stuff, which I'll hopefully put to use soon. Out of here in a in a month. So yeah, I'll see if I can take a few species off. Well you can always come over for next month. I've got the Whit Sunday sailing trip, man. I've still got a couple of spots up for up, man, that looks good. Yeah. You <laughs> might have to do your deal if you make a movie about it. I'll see what I can do. Um, yeah. August 6th till 10th, there's a couple of spots if you can. Um, if you had to start all over again, what would you do differently? Um, what would I do differently? I think I did it all right, man. I just got stuck into it and, and just just got out there and did it. Maybe maybe some safety stuff because, yeah, I, I probably probably got a few, bit lucky on some of my trips, yeah. Just do a basic freediving course get a first aid kit, um, a dive flag and uh yeah, a few simple things if you go out. Yeah. Cause I think I um as with my whole life, I think I've been pretty lucky along my journey with some crazy shit I've done. So yeah. Don't have to be too too crazy, but do some basic safety stuff here. Yeah. Cavalier yeah. Craig. That's what I will call the episode. Cavalier. <laughs> <laughs> um two, two two yeah. questions left, Ollie, and then we'll head on out. Um the this one's probably a bit serious. Um, when are we going to see a YouTube thumbnail with a girl and a G banger? No, I know. Favorite <laughs> question. I've got one guy. He's hounding me on there every every video. I can't remember what he calls him. Some some name he calls him. But um, I uh, will see, man. Yeah, I don't know if this is a lifestyle for many women. That's probably why I'm single. Oh, far out. <laughs> um, all right. Last question. Um. Describe the, what the spearfishing experience means to you. Oh man, yeah, you're getting deep and serious. Um, so I've got to do one serious one, Ollie. Oh, right, man, I should have been prepared for these. Um, spearfishing experience, clearing the mind and eating good quality, nutritious food, man. That's pretty much sums it up for me. Yeah, Ollie, I knew you would be um, honest and upfront. And um, 
we haven't we've managed to avoid a lot of controversial topics i feel and uh you've been oh, quite you've been a little bit guarded <laughs> but <laughs> but we covered some hallowed ground so i really appreciated it and you lived up to making chuck norris cry and bear girls blush so i enjoyed it um people can come and find you ollie craig on instagram it's ollie O-L-L-I-E underscore Craig on Instagram. Um, you got a massive YouTube channel, nearly, well, it'll be 50,000 subscribers in the next couple of months. I'd imagine it's Primal Pursuit by Ollie Craig. Mate, legend, love what you're doing. Keep doing it. And um, you're yep, welcome back. Good to be on. I'm, I'm, I'd actually take your offer up on the what's, what's Sundays, but I'm um, I'm going to be somewhere else pretty remote. So um, maybe the next one. Absolutely. I've got to do some Aussie, man. I, I'm going to, Try and come over and maybe do a few months or something because yeah, maybe we'll organise a trip. You can shoot in Kenya, so yeah, I'll, I'll come up and see what you guys have got. One thing I think, like I've got from the podcast, is like I, I I talk to cool people, you know, every other week, and I and I really get to know them quite a bit. And like, there's so many people I've had on the show that I want, I would love to do a spearfishing trip with. So I'm probably going to open up some things where I start doing trips with with people like yourself, and then um, if if for six people want to come with us and we just go and spear and enjoy ourselves for four, four or five days. I think that could be a pretty, pretty fun thing to do. I'm pretty keen, man. I pretty much say yes to any invites if I can. So yeah, yeah just cool. um, stay in touch, man. Cool. Um, parting, parting advice for our spearfishing community. Like uh, you got anything controversial, vote Labour or something? Did you say partying advice or partying? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I want to hear your partying advice, your parting advice. <laughs> <laughs> Parting advice: Vote Labor. I think you said earlier, or vote the Greens. Okay, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want, if you want some political um, discussions, <laughs> you can catch me on Instagram. We'll leave it off here. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone gets a vibe. Nah, just just get out there. Stop making excuses, eh? Fuck it up. You're gonna be dead soon. Go shoot some fish. Love it. Yes, all good. Make it happen. Yep. Cool. Great chat, Molly. Sweet. Cheers, mate. Hey guys, Ollie Craig. I hope I didn't stir him up too much with some of my controversy. Um, a very lively chat and a very cool dude, very down to earth. I really like him. His YouTube channel is awesome. If you want to watch some longer form, really awesome um, videos that embrace the full um, spearfishing lifestyle and terrestrial land-based hunting, if you're interested in that too, check it out. Ollie Craig on YouTube, really cool guy. Hey, as as usual, massive thanks to the patrons putting fuel in the outboard every episode. Go to patreon.com forward slash noobspiro if you want to chuck in a buck or more every episode. That definitely keeps things going around here. Um, also, the Wit Sundays Sale and Spear Retreats up on on spearfishingcourses.com.au as well as the spearfishing courses run right here off Stradbroke Island in southeast Queensland. Guys, awesome, awesome to have you with me. Um, next week, we are doing a live Q&A about our Wit Sundays trip. Uh, Eckhart and I are chatting all about it with a live audience. Uh, it's on actually... Tonight, this episode is due to go live on Wednesday the 5th. And if you're lucky, uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time, 7.30 p.m., there's a live Zoom call. If you go to Noob Spiro social media, you'll find a link there to the call if, you get, if you're lucky enough to get on in time. Otherwise, um, next episode will be the recording of that um, live Q&A all about the Wit Sundays trip that we hope to run annually. So check it out. If you are interested, there'll be a bunch of information in there about how to register and sign up. Hey guys, cool. I'll see you next week for that. Boom.
This review for Adreno.com.au from Brett, particularly the Woolongabba Adreno Superstore. I started spearfishing more regularly recently and Adreno not only has everything I need, it has Paul. He's super helpful, knowledgeable and kits me out each time with gear that I actually use. Paul has also provided me with heaps of tips that have made my dives better and more fruitful. He has the friendliest vibe and I would happily empty out my account upon every visit. I never write reviews and I used to buy gear online but have now found in-store is much better. That review from Brett up on Google if you want to check it out adreno.com.au one of the longest running partners of the Noob Sparrow podcast use the code Noob Sparrow to save $20 in store online go to adreno.com.au massive superstores huge range of gear check it out absolutely mint customer service specialty spearfishing equipment elite spear gun performance components unforgettable reliability you want to find out where to buy this punchandneptonics.com and shop at the best US spearfishing store neptonics.com free shipping to the lower 48 when you spend over 199 and you can use the code noob10 to save 10% this is your chance to save dosh buy deadly good gear and experience A grade customer service will you shop at the best visit neptonics.com use the code noob10 to start shooting 35 pound muttons tomorrow Actual performance may differ from advertisement. Please refer to terms and conditions to see if you're eligible to be a legend-like track. This advertisement was not even endorsed by Jerry and the team at Antonics. Hoorah and God bless America.